An unsurpassed, penetrating, and perfect dharma is rarely met with even in a hundred million thousand kalpas. Having it to see and listen to, to remember and accept, I vow to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words. Suppose we understood that all of the pain and suffering in our life is the raw material for healing. Suppose we understood that. That's from Training and Compassion, Norman's book on the Lojong slogans. He said it a few weeks ago in a talk, and I've been thinking about it ever since. It's not a new piece of information in some way, but I guess it went in more at this moment. What if everything I feel in my suffering is really the raw information waiting to be chewed, metabolized, taken in, softened around. What if it's the medicine? So as Wendy and I talked, I, I, began to remember these wonderful teachings of Stephen Levine. And I know at least a few of you have been doing a one life to live, a one year to live uh, course this year. It's a wonderful book. And what he says is that he offers teachings of renewal, of restoration of the heart. He wants to confront life with death, life and death with mercy and awareness. I dug out all my old Stephen Levine books yesterday and kind of fell in for the next like four or five hours with him, remembering what an important person he'd been. And then what his wife Andrea opened up as they began their teaching together. Their coupleness was really a, a huge gift to so many people, their dedication to each other. Jack Cornfield wrote a remembrance of Stephen saying after he died that he remembered particularly his loving voice the way he counseled people with soft belly. That was a big phrase for Stephen, soft belly. He and his wife, Andrea, 
staffed a 24-hour hotline for years with Ramdas for people who were facing death, some imminently, some just knowing that it was coming. Very specifically coming. And Jack said that Stephen had such great courage. He was a great beloved friend and a great sense of humor. Laughed at himself often. And he must have sat with several thousand people as they died. He often wrote a poem for each person. He spent years in silent meditation retreats. And also the last years he and Andrea spent in their trailer in New Mexico in the middle of nowhere, really being hermits and occasionally giving what they called couch talks. If you look them up online, you can find them. So in, in thinking about this last year and then going back to the roots of my own entry into this kind of practice with Stephen and Ram Das and Jack Cornfield and Joseph Goldstein and Sharon Salzberg. And then remembering seeing Wendy in 1978 at Green Gulch and then seeing her again at Mount Madonna with Thich Nhat Hanh. We talked about how these bridges for all of us are so important to acknowledge. These bridges of relationships and awarenesses. This practice of embodied teaching, not just in the head, not just in one posture, but in all of our life. What she and I have tried to do together, building these bridges slowly, intuitively, flowing along since last February and March when we last were together in the Presbyterian Church being in Eleanor's ceremony and celebration at the beginning of their intensive on climate collapse and the Brahma Viharas. How we began to practice those Brahma Viharas, loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, equanimity, Practicing them as we entered into that shocking awareness by middle of the March that year, last year, 
when we suddenly were facing this mysterious and really terrifying worldwide pandemic. How we shifted to an awareness of sheltering in place, kind of enforced stillness. We went to online Sangha gatherings. We began to explore our entanglements, ways in which we were not always sure how we could get out or how we could untangle. But somehow the cultivation and composting of love and kindness for ourselves and each other was a help in some way. A help from the loneliness or the fear, the frustration and the anxiety. And as we turned our attention then to the stories of the hidden lamp, the stories of great hardship experienced by women practicing the Dharma, and then their reclamation of agency and leadership. We also began to feel and see the energies and images of hardship really terrible violence, the explosion of awareness around racial and economic injustice. And at that time, we began to also dive into Joanna Macy's work a deep exploration into collaboration and creativity and ways in which Joanna went courageously into mysterious new areas of opening, softening, not knowing, facing the Shambhala prophecy. Her genius of activism and spiritual practice intertwined, inspiring us. Enlivening us during a time which was so hard in many ways to be still to look deeply into ourselves. 
we were gifted then by the beautiful talk and presence of Joshin Burns, who came to talk with us about his very difficult relationship with his father and the forgiveness that took a long time, the bearing witness, the letting go of knowing what he was supposed to be doing to fix his father, just letting his father be himself as they sat in his final days watching a baseball game, sharing a meal. And then Joshin told us about his own community in rural Vermont, Zen practitioners who saw themselves as bodhisattvas trying to feed the rural poor, cooking and distributing food and making that their practice, their community. And that then began to point us towards seeing different ways of healing, community ways, and then bringing Frank into our awareness, uh, a very big community of healing that Frank and Martha and others here have been involved in for many years. And the five invitations inspired us not to wait, to welcome everything and push away nothing, to bring our whole self into experience, our whole soft body self forgiving, not hardening. We were finding a place in the middle of things, cultivating don't know mind. And we did it all without being in the same room, feeling the warmth of each other's presence. All of this, as the seasons changed and the fires raged, and the smoke turned our sky orange. And we did all this as our gardens bloomed, were then harvested. light turning to dark, dark turning to light. And some of us had friends who died, some from COVID, some from cancer, or heart failure, 
some from suicide. Some people lost jobs, lost their houses. Some lost their lives in drive-by shootings. Some lost their lives in protest. Some lost lives in extreme storms. The recent freeze and snowstorm in Texas. The heat waves in the Arctic. flooding whole towns, washing them away. So anxiety and grief The Five Invitations asks us to see and be with our anxiety and grief and our healing, the raw material for our healing. And it's really hard to talk about our grief. I looked at the statistics last night. It's been a a year of 118 million cases of coronavirus worldwide. And some of those people have recovered very quickly, but some have really awful long-term, mysterious, ongoing illness. There have been 2.65 million deaths and 530,000 of those in the United States. It's been a time of enormous loss and stress and shatterings. challenging all our images, personal and collective. But it's also been a time of courageous bodhisattva activity. Coming forward with new creativity generosity, compassion and focus 
focus on helping each other, receiving and giving help. Intimate help that comes from our connection. Our compassion that's growing and available to all of us all the time. Wendy, I'm handing it off to you now. Good morning. Uh, and, and in spite of everything that is, it is a beautiful and good morning. So thank you, Jean, for your teaching and guidance this morning and for immersing us in the healing of spaciousness and each moment dissolving from Stephen Levine and your long relationship with Stephen and Andre. And I've had the pleasure of working with Stephen's very obstreperous and marvelous son, Noah Levine. Uh, great, um, powerful expression of um, complexity from the same um, matrix, or at least from, with the same, with the father of calmness, this bright spirited, Noah Levine. So the teaching is uh, complex and rich. Uh, and you know, yes, in this country alone, we recognize and, and accept 530,000 dead. That's one human life every minute over this year, one human life. And then all the circle around it. And this is a bridge time. And gratitude to the poets for helping us understand that 20 people crossing a bridge into the village. Thank you, Wallace Stevens, for reminding us. These are 20 individual people crossing 20 bridges into 20 villages to convene and comfort each other, to be at the bedside together, to be present. And sometimes poetry gives us the deepest expression of this truth. So I'm grateful, um, really grateful to have been, to be present with you, no, no past tense here, to be present with you in these times, uh, both a grave gravity and levity to celebrate and to, and to not turn away from these truths. To remember also today, yesterday actually, the 10th anniversary of the um, tsunami in Fukushima, Japan. Remembering, I am remembering living next door to Mayumi Oda for many, many years, intertwined with her life, her response to her country and uh, the nuclear disaster, the truth of it, not turning away and being together for the geography of hope 10 years ago in Point Reyes. And I know Claire just left for an appointment just as well to celebrate Claire's adaptability. She was to lead us on a morning walk to the beach to celebrate the birds during that geography of hope. And it was pouring rain, clattering rain. The roads were washed out. We were trapped in Point Reyes. And Claire, 
adopted, adapted in her particularly beautiful way. We were in the dance palace. And I remember we spread back all the Sangha. There were really many people from all over the world and um, a beautiful woman from Japan praying for Japan while Claire laid out the boundaries of the beach on the floor. And we danced to the birds in that clattering rain in the broken hearted truth of the nuclear disaster at Fukushima. And this is also our path. So there is knowledge and depth in this Sangha that uh, deeply holds me quite a year, a year of loss of many of our primary teachers, um, Abbot Mel Weitzman's uh, Sojin Wilma, Mel Weitzman, Yvonne Rand, many, many, many others too numerous to name. And for me, um, one of my closest friends in this world, Imigo Bob, uh, sitting with these beings at their bedside has been a huge privilege. And gratitude to Frank Ostaseski and the five invitations and, the, and the Stephen Levine, Franco's teacher and guide and deep Dharma brother for encouraging us and Yvonne Rand. And then each of so many, really each of you this year, knowing, instinctive knowing what to do, sitting at the bedside, Dahlia, Bing and Eleanor, Jim and Jane, just Bob with your mother, just Robert, all of you sitting, sitting, each person in this circle has a sense. So our encouragement to each other, our bridge uh, in these times and on this anniversary, grim and grave and one that we're grappling with and turning toward, listening to President Biden last night speak, 24 minutes only, not a word about himself recognizing the grief and loss in this country and committing to making a difference. So how will we make that difference? And you know, the pure deep practice of sitting together is immensely powerful. And we know that. I hold up a picture of my root teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh. I, I love this picture, I turn off the lamp. So you can see here he is as a young man. I know this is impossible. Can you see it even with the inflect with the reflection? Um, blessed are the peacemakers. Yes. So here's a picture yeah. of Thay Nhat Hanh, Thich Nhat Hanh teaching many, many years ago. And I keep this picture on my desk and here again. Um, oh, oh. I'm so sorry, I can see a little bit of what I'm showing you, but no, here can is. you can see 30 years later at Ojai, uh, welcomed by Roshi Joan, Halifax and many others teaching um, a 10 day retreat to artists. And you know, we didn't introduce ourselves until the eighth day, the seventh or eighth day. There were no introductions, just art and presence. So what are the practices just to review that really help us right now? And in primary, I love that Thich Nhat Hanh reminds adults and children, first of all, don't rush toward insight, just find a way to stop, really stop. And in a retreat with children at La Casa de Maria in Santa Barbara, he taught us the Chinese character for stopping. And all the children learned it. And so he would say to the audience, 90 children, all ages 
our daughter Elisa was a newborn and her brother, her unwilling brother, but present brother, 10-year-old Jesse, 11-year-old Jesse, they, they all learned how to make the gesture for stopping, the ideogram for stopping. So can we actually stop, really stop and feel where we are right now? Really stop healing spaciousness, each moment dissolving. Hold still, don't move. Now let the whole world come home to us. And this is primary Zen teaching or Buddhist teaching or the teaching of all faith traditions to stop the mind. So Thich Nhat Hanh would, would regale us with a wonderful story of a man being run away. He was on horseback and being run away with by the horse. Whoa, 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 stop, said the village village uh, leader, stop, where are you going? And the man leaned over his shoulder and said, I don't know, ask the horse. And this is our time, we're carried away by the things of the world. And if anything, the pandemics brought us closer to being able to stop. So I'm mindful that um, we really need as a Sangha to be in breakout groups and talk. So let me have about a few more minutes until maybe a tiny bit after, after nine, if that's fine, just another five minutes, because these primary teachings that uh, come from Thich Nhat Hanh and are resonant throughout the traditions are so beautiful and valuable. So he says, they're just four things. Can we do this? First of all, can we actually stop shamatha? Stop, we rush toward insight, 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 give me more, let me acquire, let me be enlightened, let me represent, blah, 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 blah. And the horse is running, 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 even the Zen horse, the horse of emptiness is running, 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 even with Tibetan flags, the horse is running. Can we stop the horse and hold still? And then in the middle of it, can we calm down? Can we just calm down. You know, we worked a mantra out for children in the La Casa de Maria retreat, and they practiced with pebbles. And on the in-breath, in, out, go in, go in deep, slow, calm, rising calm, and then ease and knowing the suffering in the world, can we actually smile and release and be alive in the present moment, the wonderful moment. So a lot depends on calming down and it's beautiful connection, calm and down, come down. I love in old, you know, in the miracle of mindfulness, Thich Nhat Hanh quotes his beloved uh, friend and poet, Nguyen Hong Tru, on this very spot, I sit today. Others came in ages past to sit a thousand years. Still others stop, calm down and sit on this spot. So who is the singer and who listens? And when we're calm, we can ask, the deepest questions, calm, even though we know that we're not living in placid times. 
And then to find, so stopping, calming, and then resting, actually resting. I am uh, today, my husband and I, in a few hours, we go for our second vaccine. And I make a vow to rest after receiving this injection, to be calm, to stop my heart and mind as I bear my, in this case, right, no, the left arm again, bear the left arm, put it out, extend it. May all beings in the 10 directions receive this extraordinary MRNA, those initials, and be sustained. May everyone, despite race, creed, color, and uh, material wealth, receive this in injection, receive this medicine, and be calm. And then may I rest afterwards, not try to figure out a way to heal from the injection, but to take in what I've received. So rest, there's much to say. And then healing, which is very much the theme that Jean brought up for us today. The healing of spaciousness, each moment dissolving again from from Thich Nhat Hanh, remembering the importance of healing, health, wholeness. The words are beautiful, they connect wholeness, health, and, and also recognition that we're healing. Healing includes a homeopathic dose of the poison of our times. And we're strong enough by stopping, by calming ourselves down, by resting, we, to find some healing. Now, I'm not talking about drift away, floating meditation. I'm talking about grounded in sorrow and awareness, not turning away. We find and activate the five vows, the five teachings, the five awarenesses, the five invitations. We activate that capacity to again and again, welcome everything and push away nothing. We bring our whole selves to this experience, not waiting for a better time to meditate or a calmer or a rougher time and finding a place to rest in the middle of activity and suffering. And then to cultivate, I don't know, don't know mine. John and I participated with the socially engaged Buddhist year-long program at Upaya. It was an incredible teaching from worldwide peacemaker and uh, extraordinary activist and wise man, John Paul Lederach. And he said to us in the very end, the, the, the trick to, um, not trick, it's so important to be able to discover, say, but by, by stopping, calming, resting, healing comes from discovering by accident, the sagacity, the wisdom of things that you were not in search of. To discover by accident, by serendipity, to discover by accident in meditation, by calming, stopping, and finding rest and healing, to discover by accident the wisdom of things that you were not in search of. And this is dynamic insight practice. 
on the, on the front lines, my holding still, to hold still is a dynamic art of revolution. You turn the wheel backwards to the place where the rivers change directions across the great divide. If we don't stop, we won't feel that. We won't know who we are and we won't be fierce enough to meet everything that we're generating. You know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. We are offering what our experience is of this vibrant, semi-permeable, membranous, membranous uh, circle of practice. Uh, so this is our gift. And yeah, it's six minutes past nine. So it, it's time to circle up with each other and really listen deeply. And, you know, um, I guess my, my question for us to consider would be, what stops you in your tracks now? How can you be refreshed and revitalized in these times? What stops you and also helps you continue? So it's very much, um, and you'll take that wherever you want to. How does that sound, John? What stops you and helps you continue? That feels very good. Um, 